0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dadam. Well, it is, um, it's, it's that time of year where we get excited because the pads come on, but there's also kind of a balance here. On one hand, it's great because the guys are getting more practice, they're getting more training, the, the reports are more real, you know, if you see so-and-so gets gets a, a pressure or a good block, it means a little bit more when you got pads on. But it's also that time of year where if you can just get through the day without somebody getting hurt, it was a good day. Because as I look around news from around the NFL, that is a major storyline in just about every single camp. And honestly, it's not a matter of if, but when and who. Um, because so far, even though we're just getting started, the Packers have been extremely lucky. Some of the injuries, you know, whether they're super serious or not, um, but anyways, with that, um, lots and lots and lots of notes about the Green Bay Packers today on the first fully padded practice. It took me forever just to get through. I mean, it was just note after note after note, which is exciting, and we're going to go through all of them just to kind of get a, a healthy dose, a uh, good idea, a good understanding of how things are going out there. Um, well, we'll get there. Before we do, we want to get to a couple of NFL and NFC North notes, and I'm sure I'm going to miss some because, again, my head is just kind of spinning, trying to keep up on everything. But um, probably kind of sort of the biggest news of the day, the Miami Dolphins have got busted for um, impermissible communications with Tom Brady and Sean Payton. The investigators found tampering violations of unprecedented scope and severity, it says. They also did an investigation into the claims from Brian Flores that they uh, tried to tank the season or whatever, or told him to tank the season. Um, It says the Dolphins did not intentionally lose games in the 2019 season, nor did anyone at the club, including Mr. Ross, instruct Coach Flores to do so. No witness contended otherwise. The Dolphins competed hard to win every game, including at the end of the season when they beat Cincinnati and New England, despite worsening Miami's position uh, in the 2020 draft does go on to say that Mr. Ross did express uh, belief that the Dolphins' position in the upcoming 2020 draft should take priority over the team's win-loss record. And it says he told that to the team president and CEO, the GM, the senior vice president, and Coach Flores. But it goes on to say that he, um, Mr. Flores then was upset by this, and that was the last that he heard about it. So he wasn't pushed or coerced or offered money or anything like that. However, the, the big news is with tampering. And it says... The Dolphins had impermissible communications with quarterback Tom Brady in the 2019-2020 season while he was under contract with the New England Patriots. Those communications began as early as August 2019 and continued throughout the 2019 season and postseason. These numerous and detailed discussions were conducted by Mr. Beal, who in turn kept Mr. Ross and other Dolphins executives informed of his discussion with Mr. Brady. The Dolphins again had impermissible communication with both Mr. Brady and his agent during and after the 2021 season while he was under contract to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Those discussions began no later than early December 2021 and focused on Mr. Brady becoming a limited partner in the Dolphins and possibly serving as football executive, although at times they also included the possibility of his playing for the Dolphins. Uh, Both Messers, Ross, and Beal were active participants in these discussions And then it says, in January of 2022, the Dolphins had impermissible communication with Don Yee, the agent for the New Orleans Saints head coach, Sean Payton, about having Mr. Payton serve as Miami's head coach. Miami did not seek consent from New Orleans to have these discussions, which occurred before Coach Payton announced his decision to retire as head coach of the Saints. Following that announcement, Miami uh, requested permission to speak to Coach Payton for the first time, which New Orleans declined to grant which is odd because you feel like they would know that they're under investigation by January of 2022, wouldn't you? So, anyways, they're going to be losing draft picks as a result, including a 2023 first-round pick, as well as a third-round selection in 2024. Mr. Ross is suspended through October 17th, 2022. During this period, he may not be present at the Dolphins facility, may not be uh may not represent the club at any team or NFL event. He may not attend any league meetings prior to the annual so he's getting a vacation for a couple months. He's also getting fined $1.5 million, though, so that one probably stings a little bit. Mr. Bruce Beal, Dolphins vice chairman, limited partner, may not attend any meetings uh, for the remainder of 2022 season and is fined $500,000. That has to suck. So, um, yeah, don't, don't uh, make phone calls if you're not supposed to make phone calls, I guess. Anyway, speaking of injuries, as, I, as I'm just sitting here looking at uh, Twitter as the feed just keeps refreshing, uh, Tim Patrick, wide receiver, For the, it says, standout Broncos wide receiver has suffered a season-ending ACL injury on Tuesday. So again, the injuries are stacking up. In other news, the Dallas Cowboys um, have an injured receiver right now. James Washington says the Cowboys are concerned that Washington might have fractured his right foot on a plate. Dallas was hoping to have Washington in the starting role, with Michael Gallup not expecting to be ready for the start of the season. So they already lost Gallup. Now James Washington is hurt. And he was diagnosed, apparently, with a broken foot and will be sidelined for 6 to 10 weeks. This is James Washington I'm talking about. Gallup is rehabbing from a torn ACL. So it's basically C.D. Lamb and nobody right now until they start getting some guys back. Obviously, this is all relevant, um, as are all these updates, because the, the Packers don't play in a vacuum. And um, a lot of these teams, I'm kind of looking and trying to see, are they going to be good? Are they going to give us problems, whatever the case may be? And um, there's some issues out there. Uh, Pat Mahomes was back from his little tweak yesterday, but his ankle is all taped up. And then um, very recently, I also saw, which would be an unbelievably massive blow for the Buffalo Bills, who already saw Hyde, Micah Hyde, get uh, carted off. Bills safety Jordan Poyer left Tuesday's practice with an elbow injury. Poyer was reportedly seen with his arm in a sling after practice, while NFL Network Ian Rappaport reported that Poyer will m- undergo, undergo an MRI to determine the extent of the injury. In search of a new contract, Poyer and All-Pro Safety in 2021 opted to report to the team's mandatory minicamp. It was not a training camp holdout. One of the league's best safeties and coverage last season. will wait to learn the severity of Poyer's injury. Which, by the way, this is exactly why guys hold out. One fluke injury. I'm, I'm sorry, if I'm a player and I'm headed for a massive contract, no chance I'm stepping foot on that field. Ever. I'm not leaving my house. I'm going to sit on my couch wrapped in bubble wrap watching Netflix. You call me up when I got the contract and I'll come play. I'm not even exercising. I don't need to tear up a, 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 a bicep muscle or uh, you know, tweak my ankle on a treadmill. I'm not I'm not messing around with it. No chance. My health is gonna put fifty million dollars in my bank account. So again, I don't know the severity of the injury. And apparently I just looked it up. Micah Hyde is actually already back at camp, so that was that was a very close call, but Um, it's not an exaggeration to say the heart and soul of the defense, if not, I mean, the the quarterback is the heart and soul of the team, but, I mean, the the safety duo in Buffalo is absolutely top tier. Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, and to have both of them go down this early, if I was the head coach, I'd be like, all right, we're done. We're waiting until week one. You guys go home. (laughs) Can't do this. Um, some other interesting uh, around the NFL news, checking in on some former Packers. I guess Jake, Jake Kumaro is back on the field. Uh, note about Ty Montgomery. It says, Ty Montgomery has more juice than I remember. Just watched him get uh, the edge several times when the offense was repping their outside run concepts. He's going to see some real carries. Just in case you forgot, he was still out there. He is. And then an MVS sighting two days in a row. It says, Marquez Valdez-Scantling with a swim move over Jalen Watson in a one-on-one. Nice move on the post. So kudos to MVS for cooking third string uh, cornerbacks. Well done. <laughs> I'm not bitter. I'm just making fun of the guy, especially considering their starting corners aren't even that impressive. Ooh, you beat Lajarius Sneed? Cool. What a rock star. Looking at the second year corner uh, quarterbacks, things aren't really getting much better. It seems like it's it's the same thing it's always been. Trevor Lawrence is looking promising. Nobody else really is. Another rough day for Mac Jones out in uh, New England, which is, again, great, because I never want them to be a good football team for the rest of my life. Patriots offense is looking rough today. Lots of run stuffs and a disjointed play-action game. Mac Jones' first two dropbacks in the latest round of 11-on-11s resulted in a throwaway and a sack. Mac Jones and the starters in 11-on-11s, throwaway, sack, pass, breakup, completion, completion, sack. Furthermore, uh, Trevor Loh- or, excuse me, Justin Fields seemingly not having the greatest day in the world. There's a video floating around out there somewhere of just a ridiculously horrific overthrow of a guy who's just standing by himself in the back of the end zone. So that always, that'll always that cheer you up if you can find that one. But again, we'll, we'll get to the NFC North notes in a moment. And then an update on the rookie wide receivers because it just gets me excited. Just to be clear, I'm not going over the rookie wide receivers to be bitter because look at all these other guys that we either could have had or whatever the case may be. It's expanding on the point that I made a long time ago about wide receivers coming into the NFL are much more prepared and NFL ready. That's why there's so many hits at wide receiver. They come into the NFL and they're really quite good right out of the gate. So it's actually encouraging to see these things because it makes me feel as though Christian Watson might be better than some of us are thinking. And by some of us, I mean me. I liked Christian Watson in college, but I'm also a pessimist at heart. I look at it and I say, yeah, he's a rookie from a small school. He's going to come in. He's going to drop a bunch of passes. He's going to be sitting on the bench most of the time. And maybe in two, three years, he'll be something we'll see. But again, it's just, it's nonstop. And it's not because it's training camp. Because again, go through the training camp notes. It's negative, 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 negative. And all these guys want to give positive reports, but they don't if it's not. But with the wide receivers, it's all positive all the time. Ryan Tannehill has been impressed by rookie wide receiver Traylon Burks. Quote, he's just continued to show up, exciting, uh, excited about the progress he's made. Cites his ability to go up and get it. Continued notes daily about Wandale Robinson. Wandale is smooth with his hands. Hand placement is nice. Wandale burns Holmes on a double from Daniel. You got Garrett Wilson showing off his moves at, get, at Jets practice. Tyquan Thornton says, made an impossible over-the-shoulder catch down the right sideline on a throw from Mac Jones. Ball coming in with minimal arc directly over his helmet, and Thornton contor- contorted and leaned back to have it fall in bucket while going down, arrow pointing up. It's not all positive, though, unfortunately. Uh, even though Sky Moore has been getting a lot of praise for his uh, how good he looks on the field, he did leave with an injury. Sky Moore exited the Chiefs' practice early with a hip injury on Tuesday. Moore appeared to be running one-on-one drills when he got tangled up with safety uh, Nazee Johnson. Moore came up limping after the play and did not return to the field. And I see an update on Jordan Poyer as we speak. It says, Bill's safety Jordan Poyer hyperextended his elbow today and will miss what a source described as a few weeks. So based on that, if that is the case, he should be back for the regular season. And I promise you he will not take another snap until he gets a contract. <laughs> Um, and another note as I'm sitting here, Saints rookie safety Smoke Monday sir, suffered what is believed to be a significant knee injury today. Monday, an undrafted free agent from Auburn has drawn praise from teammate Tyron Matthew for his ability uh, ability and study habits. So it's, it's uh, quite brutal out there. Looking at the NFC North, still no Tevin Jenkins, fifth consecutive practice. But there was uh, something I found interesting. It's a Twitter thread on, uh, about da Bears' blog, it's called. But it's talking about what were some of the concerns about Tevin Jenkins Jenkins coming into the NFL. Because the consensus is this guy is an elite tackle and the Bears got a steal and all that. And then last year he played and he was kind of horrible and he didn't get to keep his job. And now he's competing with like rookie six-round picks and can't seem to... When he's on the field, he can't even win the number one job. But here are a couple notes that they have. It says, uh, there were two non-injury concerns about Tevin Jenkins coming into the draft. Number one, folks didn't think he had the lower body strength to be an elite NFL tackle. Secondly, was his personality. He says, this is not character, this is personality. Jenkins is supposedly a very good guy and teams like him but there were multiple stories of Jenkins having emotional breakdowns when practices were too hard prior to his senior year. One area scout was so adamant that Jenkins wasn't worth the risk, he convinced his team to pull the kid off of their board entirely. One friend told me in the spring that the combination of poles fluce, morgan would seriously test Jenkins' resolve. Says one says, uh, Since that note, I have constantly repeated the question, how does this leadership view Jenkins? Not where, how? I think we have our answer. So, th- who knows? Maybe the guy gets healthy, comes back, wins the job, and is a great tackle. But this seems like a massive swing and a miss from an absolutely horrific GM that got v- actually got votes for um, executive of the year and won it. <laughs> this guy, who is just a garbage GM, won executive of the year. And the coach... That was run out on a rail. That is seen as being the single-handed reason for the team being as bad as it was. One coach of the year. This is why we shouldn't be concerned about what these voters think of Matt Lafleur. It's annoying, and we can call them out for it. But we shouldn't actually care about their opinion because they're absolute idiots. Now I said that when they when they picked um, Ryan Pace to be executive of the year, which they did that because he went out and got Khalil Mack, which is the dumbest thing in the history of the world. It doesn't take a genius to give away everything you have for an elite player. It doesn't make you a good GM. I could have done that deal. That The most casual fan in the world would be happy to pull the trigger on that and probably would have happily given up more, and you'd, you would have called this casual fan the executive of the year because they got Khalil Mack. It, listen, if you drafted Khalil Mack in the fourth round... Or if you you picked him out of a lineup or whatever, or let's say you you find a guy like Zadarius who hasn't really done much and ends up being the best pass rusher in the league the year that you get him, if you do something like that, sure, we can have a conversation about executive of the year, but giving away all your draft capital to go out and buy a guy that everybody already knows is great doesn't make you great. It's so embarrassing that this is how stupid the people that do this are. Well, he got Khalil. He's really good. Good at what? Saying, here, take all my stuff? Good Lord. Oh, geez. <laughs> Again, this is a funny doing uh, podcasts in the afternoon as opposed to in the morning because you get a lot of updates. But we got a Mitch Trubisky update, and I think a lot of us were rooting for him, but things are not going well for him. And that continues today. Not that the stats are officially kept or anything here, but Mitch Trubisky's first eight dropbacks today in 11-on-11 11 11 resulted in him going one of seven for one yard, which was a shovel pass, an interception, and a sack. <laughs> Oh, man. You know, it, it. it's funny because as much as Packer fans are rooting for Mitch Trubisky, partly because, wow, well, we always liked Mitch or whatever kind of fake thing you want to say, but I think the the real reason a lot of us were rooting for him is because we wanted to believe that the organization was just trash. All right? He's a great coach or a quarterback, and now that he left, he's going to be great, which proves that your organization is trash. But here's the thing. We should probably flip on that now. Not, not that we have to root against Trubisky or anything like that, but... The whole idea, Bears fans are excited to hear that Mitch Trubisky's doing well. They're they're not hearing that. But if they did, they would be. Because it proves their point that this coach and this scheme and all that, that was the problem. And now that he's gone, our guy can thrive like Trubisky's thriving. Now that Trubisky's leaving and is even worse than he was in Chicago, it's not painting that picture so much anymore. No, the issue was Trubisky and the fact that you drafted him because you're stupid. That's the issue. He's a bad quarterback and it was a bad decision. And he's not thriving anywhere. It's not true that it's it's your coach that caused him to fail. Seems as though that narrative, maybe, is made up. Just saying. Anyways, um, Bears offensive line, it, it's, it's actually very similar to what the Packers are going through. They're, they're, they have a lot of different versatile pieces that they're trying to plug in, trying to figure out the best way to do things. And while they're doing that, that the offensive line is getting obliterated. And I I wish I could sit back and say, ha-ha, you bunch of losers, but the Packers are going through the exact same thing. We've got a bunch of different pieces. We're trying to figure out where they fit. And as we shuffle these pieces around, we get note after note after note after note about the, uh, the offensive line just getting embarrassed. Now, on the positive side, we actually have reason to believe that the defense has a big part to do with that. We also have two of our best players who will be returning from injury at some point, hopefully in the relatively near future, and have prospects that we believe can be quite good at football, unlike you know, the Bears, who are getting beat by not such a great defensive line. But still, I, I have to temper my um, my vitriol toward them at this point. Uh, a couple Justin Fields notes. His first pass was a, a positive highlight. After that, I saw Vindel nearly picked off Fields on a throw in traffic. Rookie safety Jaquan Brisker broke up a jump ball from Justin Fields to Cole Komet. Cornerback Kendall Vildor also made a leaping pass breakup on Fields' pass earlier. Justin Fields threw a ball to Comet in the end zone, but it was too low and right at Matt Adams, who got his hands on it. And then it says the Bears' pad, uh, first padded live contact portion of practice just concluded the best offensive play was Justin Fields' touchdown to Ryan Griffin, just a good design. So a couple good passes. I mean, it, it honestly reminds me more of Jordan Love than Aaron Rodgers. You, you hear about a couple good passes. You hear about a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and, but then there's just a ton of negative. And to be completely honest, there's been if you had to rank them, Aaron Rodgers has been the most positive, then Jordan Love, then Justin Fields. Jordan Love had one bad day, and it was not this practice, but last practice, on Monday's practice. That was Jordan Love's one bad day. Every other day has been quite good for Jordan Love. Almost every day has been kind of negative for Justin Fields. Even days where there's positive, there's, there's like a pick mixed in somewhere. So, you know, best of luck, I guess. Um, at cornerback, their rookie corner, Kyler Gordon, who was kicked into the slot— is now being moved back to the outside. It's not set in stone, obviously, but um, positive development for Bears fans, I guess. Uh, As far as the Detroit Lions, I haven't seen much. There's a bunch of hard knocks, highlights and stuff, which I do think would be kind of fun to watch. But Quintez Cephas, who's been getting a massive amount, basically since he came to the Lions, he's been getting a ton of love, the Wisconsin Badgers wide receiver. Um, Basically a very good wide receiver, but his 40 time was really, really slow. So it's, it's always been a concern despite just being a solid receiver. Anyways, Quintez Cephas made a great catch against Jeff Okuda in one-on-ones, but stayed down for a while, needed help off the field, not putting much weight on his leg after. So another development there, which maybe has been resolved, I don't know, but last I heard, he went down and is not back. So uh, not a starting wide receiver, but he is probably, after the top three guys, he is probably next in line. And then for the Vikings, a bunch of news and notes. Nothing super interesting. However, there were a couple injury notes. Um, I mentioned Irv Smith is a guy to keep an eye on. 2019, he was kind of below expectations. 2020, he actually had a very good season. 2021, he was out all year with an injury. So I said, coming back this year, you got to watch out. We all forgot about him. We kind of wrote him off, but he might be a pretty big factor. Um, Just coming back from injury, I think Monday was his first day back. And then Tuesday, you get this Vikings head coach Kevin O'Connell said Irv Smith underwent surgery on his thumb uh, for an injury he suffered in camp yesterday, but that he should be ready for week one. So first day back on Monday, he gets injured and needs surgery. So, I mean, he'll he'll be ready presumably for the Green Bay Packers game. And the timeline will be important because obviously if he misses just one game, he won't be there. But you also have to understand the guy hasn't played since 2020. So there's still going to be some growing pains, especially when this is his first time back even just for practice to kind of get back into the speed of things. And again, he had one day and, and he's he's done. In addition, Dalvin Cook got injured. He went down, went to the uh, medical staff, the tent and all that stuff. He did come back to the field and keep playing, but um, again, it, it, it's got to make you cringe if you're a Vikings fan because Dalvin is constantly injured. I think he walked off the field kind of holding his hand, so... Uh, pretty massive blows if if uh, if these things continue and if those injuries hold up for Dalvin and Irv Smith. I mean obviously they'll be back in action, but they have to find a way to stay healthy the entire year if they've got a shot and this is not a great start for them. Uh, final note before we take a break and then get on to uh, the Packers Camp day, et cetera, et cetera. This via Pro Football Network's Aaron Wilson. Will Fuller will be monitored by multiple NFL teams, but is more likely to join a team later in the preseason. So this was kind of the sentiment that even, uh, I don't know if it was Gutekunst or Matt LaFleur, probably Gutekunst, had mentioned that, you know, we need to see what we have in our team first. And I think all 32 teams are in that boat. We've got a pile of guys. We need to see what what it is we, we have. And a team's not going to go out and get Will Fuller unless it's somebody like the, you know, let's say the Cowboys find out that these are very serious injuries and they're not coming back, then they may want to pull the trigger on a guy like Fuller because they know they don't have the guys they need. But even then, you want to check, give the guys that are there an opportunity to step up. And so it's not until the conclusion of camp that you find out if you got what you need. And so, for example, the Green Bay Packers may be someone to keep an eye on. It even says that at the end of this here. It says the Packers, who are currently without second-round rookie Christian Watson, should also keep tabs on Fuller. Not saying that they are, but for those of you interested in these kinds of things, this is how it's going to work. They're, they're going to find out what they've got. They're going to look at Sammy Watkins. They already know Lazard is the guy. They're going to look at Sammy Watkins and see what they have with him. They're going to check out Romeo Dobbs and see what they have with him. And they're going to check out Christian Watson and see what they have with him. And any other guys that want to compete, but that's probably about it. My assumption is they're not going to pull the trigger with a guy like Fuller because I think they're going to like um, Sammy Watkins. I think they already like Romeo Dobbs, maybe not a massive amount, but you got to understand, what what more are you getting with Fuller? He's coming in blind. He doesn't have experience with Aaron Rodgers or or the playbook or any of that kind of stuff. So he's going to have to try to get up to speed as well, and he's going to have to do it on the fly because his first game action is going to be week one, if they even put him on the field. So something to keep an eye on, but you know, just, just so we're clear, that's kind of how this is going to go. But there's probably going to be some fast and furious as cut downs happen. You're going to have some people that are getting cut down, uh, some of the free agents may be getting picked up quickly because once you're starting to cut people down, you're making determinations of who's going to work out and who's not, but you're also going to have guys that get cut that are going to get signed to other places. So a lot of shuffling going on at that time, probably. Anyways, before we take a break, I just want to remind you one more time about Pristine Auction. Head over to pristineauction.com. It is the most trusted sports member auction site. It's got a, uh, A plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Auction start at just a dollar. There are over a 1,000 autographed items available. There was recently a Justin Herbert jersey that sold for $110. Deals like that happen all the time over at pristineauction.com. They got every player you could ever want, including Quay Walker. But you don't have to pay for Quay Walker. All you have to do if you want a signed Quay Walker jersey, or at least to be entered into a contest to potentially get a Quay Walker jersey, is head over to pristineauction.com. Use promo code ROGERS when you sign up. You'll not only get $10 off of your first purchase, but you will be entered to win a signed Quay Walker jersey. Everything you get over there comes with a certificate of authenticity from the industry's most reputable authenticators. Again, enter your chance to win. All you got to do is sign up at their website using the registration code ROGERS, R-O-D-G-E-R-S, to be entered. There are links in the description if I remember to do it. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. Learn more at marines.com. All right, who's ready for this, uh, this long grind of getting through all the notes? Y'all ready? Y'all strapped up? Got some coffee and a, and a graham cracker? It sounds random, but I literally just grabbed a graham cracker on my way back from upstairs. <laughs> Surprisingly good. You ever, you ever eat those, those food items that every time you eat it, which is very rare, you're surprised how good it is? I'm not saying it's even like a top 100 food or anything, but every time I eat a graham cracker, it's like, these are stupid, but all right, it's just sitting here. You just eat it because it's just there's a bag of graham crackers sitting there, and if you have kids, you probably understand that. I'm sure you have a bag of graham crackers or golden grams, basically the same thing, just sitting there. And it's like, these, are, these taste like garbage, but I guess they're just sitting there. I'll just grab one real quick, and then you eat it, and you almost stop in your tracks like, ooh, ooh, that's kind of good. And then, then, you know, you grab three or four more. Three or four more halves. You know, they were all broken. So, like four or five halves, crackers. I think they're good, is all I'm saying. Anyways, a couple of quick notes here about LaFleur's press conference. Uh, Matt LaFleur said there could potentially be some live team reps Friday during family night. Uh, hasn't quite decided on that yet. He says, quote, we'll see how we're feeling and how we get through the next couple of days. Sounds like basically if they can get through without injuries, maybe they'll kind of push the envelope a little bit and give us a bit of a show on the television. Uh, Lafleur on Amari Rogers said, quote, I think Amari had a really good day yesterday. Not only was he shown on, uh, not only was he shown on we defense, we defense, that's not what it is, but offense as well. I think it's we fence, which is, I think, special teams. I don't know. I'm so sick of these stupid cutesy names. Can we just say things as they are? Can we just take We Fence and D Train, which has uh, shockingly a meaning that that everybody should be on board with is inappropriate and wrong f- for any reason to, to give that name to yourself and carry the G and all the stupidity and put it in a barrel and light it on fire and set it out to sea? Can we do that? Because I'm. It's just so stupid. But anyways, he looked really good on We Fence. And on offense, the effort he showed yesterday was pretty gritty. LeFleur says he does not have any updates on Christian Watson when he'll return, but does say he's getting better. He seems to get kind of indignant about that, which doesn't really give off a good vibe about him coming back soon. Usually when guys are coming back soon, he says they're coming back soon. Like what happens with Sammy Watkins? He's like, oh, but he'll be back real soon. With Christian Watson, he gets all snippy and is like, I'm not talking about that. But, you know, he's looking fine. He's He's getting better every day. So, again, probably won't be back soon. Um, he was asked, does last year's season opening dud against the Saints influence how the Packers will handle their starters during preseason games this year? He says, yeah, potentially, which means yes, definitely. Uh, Watkins workload will increase every day. He says it does us no good if he has a setback. In other words, they're trying to ease him in slowly because they don't want him to get hurt. He says the preseason games will help sort out the depth chart battles at safety outside linebacker, et cetera. And then the one thing he mentioned that I thought was really interesting, um which makes a lot of sense kind of reminds me of of what i heard from D Ford and i forget the other guy that was out in Kansas City back when Mike Smith was out there but they had essentially talked about how sometimes you're just really really good at stuff you're just the best athlete in the world and you don't really need to be a technician and then when you get older your athleticism kind of wanes a bit and so you know you kind of what is this hashtag i'm looking at anyways you need somebody to come in and teach you the techniques and everything else that you kind of were ignoring because you didn't need it when you were younger Talking about um, Devontae Wyatt, he's saying it's kind of the same thing there. Sometimes you get guys that are such freak athletes that they just win based on their athleticism, and maybe they're kind of lacking in the technical side of things. And so when you get to the NFL, it doesn't matter that you're the biggest freak. I mean, it does, but you're still not going to win just based on your athleticism, at least not as consistently as you can, should, and will if you can just learn how to do things properly. So in a sense, it's almost kind of a crutch that... He's such a freak. Probably was the case with Rashawn as well. He just wins on brute force. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's just a wild animal out there. But if you teach the guy the technique, you can really kind of get to that next level. Now, by all indications, Devontae Wyatt has been, for the last several days anyways, doing a fantastic job. But um, that is going to be sort of the biggest, I guess, hindrance to him getting the amount of snaps and production that we want is the fact that although he was a great player on a great program um, he's maybe not where he needs to be in terms of technique. A couple other just generic notes that I saw, uh, Sammy Watkins was spending some time coaching up Romeo Dobbs on his releases. Um, Dobbs gave him a couple fist bumps as a thing. So it was good to see that Sammy Watkins is a veteran guy. He's not just coming in here saying, you know, it's my opportunity to my last chance to get that big payday or whatever, or prove, you know, my legacy or whatever the case may be. He's, he's, Taking all that experience he's had over the years and is helping our guys get better, which is great because we are lacking in veteran leadership in the wide receiver room. Uh, A note from Dean Lowry on Devontae Wyatt. After the first practice in shoulder pads, he said, Wyatt right away flashed in pass rush. He has great instincts when it comes to knowing how to beat guys one-to-one and just knowing how to react to blocks. And then finally, a note here says, Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry combined for 60% of the total snaps on the Packers defensive line last season. The addition of Jaron Reed and Devontae Wyatt mixed with the emerging young core could help open up Green Bay's defensive front in 2022. Kenny Clark said it makes life easier, which makes sense. It's a heavy workload for those two guys to carry. And if you can spread that out a little bit, kind of like we've done with other guys at other positions, you know, like at running back, Aaron Jones is great. And if, if you run him 20, 30 times a game, I'm sure he's going to get you plenty of production. But if you can save him and keep him fresh... Same with A.J. Dillon. They're both keeping each other fresh. And you get a fresh A.J. Dillon and a fresh Aaron Jones pretty much the entire game and the entire season, that's ideal. And that's kind of what we're dealing with along the defensive line with all the additions. Um, I also wanted to really quickly go through Albert Breer. He was there uh, at Packers camp on Monday. And so I wanted to go through his observations. It says, uh, thread five from the Green Bay Packers, five notes or whatever. Uh, He's got the, the big eyeball thing. For Rashawn Gary, was dominant last year and looks ready to take another step. And part of it is that he's been way more vocal, was visible in practice today. Number two, he says Eric Stokes equals potential breakout cornerback. Should get shots at the ball with Jair Alexander back. Number three, Quay Walker gives the Packers a second versatile three-down linebacker next to Devondre Campbell. Should allow for more third-down creativity in moving those guys around. Four, obvious questions at wide receiver. Fourth rounder, Romeo Dobbs, has turned heads, shown some chemistry with the quarterback. He's got a shot. And then number five says, the biggest questions are up front. David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins aren't going to be rushed back. No one's ruling out week one, but the staff won't be putting timelines on those guys. As a result, Josh Myers, John Runyon, and Royce Newman are important. Uh, Summer figures in Green Bay. And then before we get into it, last thing is sort of the, what I dubbed, injuries and whatnot. Um Cole Schneider was the one guy that did get injured. He he went down and was seen today wearing a boot. So not looking good for him. He's way at the back of the offensive line depth chart, and him walking around in a boot is probably not, you know, I mean, we know what it is. Uh, Mercedes Lewis was getting a veteran rest day, so he was not out there today. Jair Alexander took part in individual drills but was on the sideline for one-versus-ones. Did not see him. There was a, a lot of fear and panic about him being gone. But uh, apparently it has nothing to do with injury. It's just the Packers saying, nope, not taking a chance. If you want to know who the Packers think the most valuable person on the team is, who's the guy that they pulled because they didn't want him getting hurt. It might have something to do with, uh, you know, I know Dallas has that GPS tracking. I don't know if the Packers still do that stuff, but just workload kind of a thing. He's been doing a lot of running around, a lot of covering wide receivers, but they're not messing around with guys like that. They're, you know, they're going to make sure he stays healthy. But apparently zero injury concerns. They just wanted to, you know, pull him, I guess. Uh, the one kind of slightly concerning thing was Romeo Dobbs uh, looked a little shaken up after a punt return, walking slowly to the sideline. Apparently he got hurt a second time after a play. So that was when I saw that, was like, all right, it's time to it's time to call it with Romeo Dobbs. Enough is enough. But he fought through it. I think he kept playing and um, was good to go. But anyways, finally, why don't we get into some play-by-play again? There's a lot of them here. Uh, Yash and Rashawn first up in 1v1s. There was a lot of one versus ones which is why there's so many notes. Offensive line versus defensive line. It's wide receivers versus corners, just one after the other. But it says, uh, good first rep from Yash. Then they take turns false starting or going off sides for the next four snaps, trying to get that first step. Eric Stokes giving a little bit back of what he got in the hands of Devontae Adams last season. He's all over rookie Romeo Dobbs in 1v1. Randall Cobb just proved veteran status over Razul Douglas. Uh, Lazard beats Gafford on the outside. Cobb beats Douglas. DeGuara beats Scott. Watkins with an easy win on a quick slant against Thomas. So some of these, it's it's kind of an unfair matchup. You're talking about potential number two or, you know, running with the ones type wide receiver up against the third string. But anyways, long way to go, but Danny Davis is having a good camp. He looks legit. Looking forward to seeing him in the preseason games. So Again, Danny Davis, the Badgers wide receiver. I, I still have him sort of neck and neck with Samori Ture. I think I've probably seen more Danny Davis notes then, Samori notes, but not enough that I would consider putting Danny ahead of of Toure at this time. Um, Amari beats Savage on a slant. Fun battle between Davis and Davis. Sean should have had the pick. Tyler comes with it. Davis strips him. Danny Davis beats Ento. Daphne beats Levitt. Hyman had a step on Gafford, but the ball was overthrown. So to start this off, the offense is just kind of crushing the defense. Winfrey smokes Vaughn, but Vaughn closes fast and it ends up incomplete. Holding call on Stokes versus Dobbs. Gaines pass up pass breakup versus Amari. Mack beats Carpenter easy on a slant. Osiris Mitchell with a really nice play versus Ento. Lazard beats Gafford on a slant. Sal Canella with a nice route versus Levitt. Keandre Thomas just dragged down Watkins off a sick move. Cobb beats Razul again. Good rep Shamar versus Winfrey. Winfrey catch, but no gain. Gaines, I think, knocked it away versus Toure. Good session for him. Deguara with a beautiful double move on Savage for a big gain. By the way, Deguara, I've been seeing a lot of notes on him recently. And as much as people might want to get upset about Savage or whatever, um, it's been a couple days now of pretty consistent positive notes of of Josiah. Danny Davis with a gorgeous route versus Gafford. Gafford was in a blender. Dobbs wins deep versus Stokes. Touchdown for sure. Uh, the offensive line to start is Yash, Runyon, Myers, Newman, and then Zach Tom at right tackle. So we got official Zach Tom at right tackle today. Potentially two days in a row, although I still was confused as to what happened yesterday, or two days ago from when you're listening to this. A lot of notes on that Romeo Dobbs pass, which you can always tell it's a big play because everybody's tweeting about how big of a deal that was. Romeo Dobbs beats Stokes clean off the line, and Rodgers hits him on a go-right final play of the period. It says, 40-time isn't everything. Romeo Dobbs builds his camp legend. He gets a step on Stokes to haul in a deep pass. Crowd loves it. Uh, In one-on-one drill, Romeo Dobbs torches Eric Stokes on the last rep after Stokes had interfered with him on an earlier rep. Impressive. Dobbs gets Stokes back, beats him on a nice throw from Rodgers. Stokes, frustrated, threw his helmet down. Jair Alexander over to talk to him. Competition is fierce today. It's another reason why I like following so many people because you get so many, there's so many times I'll put the note in my notes and then I have to delete it and add the other one. I'm like, wait, no, this one's better. Oh, this one's better. And I kind of like hodgepodge a uh, Frankenstein tweet. Uh, Yash and Gary had a nice battle to open the drill. Nice start to one-on-ones for Packers offensive tackle Yash Nyman, uh, standing up Rashawn Gary twice. Nyman didn't take any reps after that. It was a good place to stop. Lowry just blew up a run play versus Tyler Davis and team. Nice cutback from Jones to get as much as he could. Bootleg, but Campbell isn't fooled at all. He's all over Daphne in the flat. Rashawn Gary not getting moved in the run game. He gets a stop at the line. Campbell dropping in zone, leaps to break up a pass for Romeo Dobbs, which is just fantastic. Uh, A few snaps from Jones and Dylan working together in the backfield. So we've seen a couple notes on that over the course of the training camp. Packers rookie Devontae Wyatt showed his athleticism in one on ones, winning two of his three reps versus John Runyon. Wyatt's speed forced a hold on the first rep after Runyon stood him up. Wyatt came back with an impressive hands to shock Runyon out of position, then explode past him. Love to Sammy Watkins. LaFleur said they would add this, uh, add to his workload each day. Great catch and coverage. Similar, similar note Love with his best throw of camp hits Watkins in stride deep to the sideline. Watkins' biggest play, too. Another note on that, Jordan Love delivers a dime to a wide-open Watkins on a deep cross. Wes Hodkowitz says Jordan Love, with maybe his best throw of camp, facing pressure, stands tall, and hits Watkins on a deep crosser. Sean Davis just came screaming up from safety. I think he would have had a stop about two yards in the backfield on Goodson. Ford just about took the handoff on an attempted run by the twos. Great instant disruption, which is cool to hear. I don't think I've heard a note on Ford yet so far, the big, giant, seventh-round nose tackle that we got. Nice misdirection on a toss to Baylor for about six. Wilborn did a good job getting over the to uh, make a stop. Daphne just owned Ramsey and pass pro, but Etling misses Mitchell. Some shoving going on after the play between offensive lineman George Moore and defensive lineman Jack Heflin. Coaches blew the whistle to get him to knock it off. It's getting chippy today. Rogers tries to hit Dylan, who fell down on the play. Quay had good coverage anyways. in Agbar and Teepa. Oh, don't put those guys next to each other. I got to say both of their names. And Agbar and Tipa, the next two edge rushers up today. This note I actually really like a lot in terms of me trying to keep the roster um, intact, but also just a good note on Anagbar because they're moving him up and giving him an opportunity to win with the twos. Now, I I'm not going to move him up personally. I think it's still going to be Hamilton, but it tells me two things. They're giving him a shot, so he's not too far behind. He's probably the next in line. So it's, it's not Ramsey, it's not Garvin, it's an Agbar, but it also tells me that Tipa is probably ahead of Hamilton. So in order, it's Rashawn, then Preston, then Tipa, then Hamilton, then an Agbar, then it's Ramsey and Garvin, however you, you carve that up. And it's, it's, that's not official, but that's just how I think it's sort of, sort of set up right now. And then it says Aaron Jones with great vision on a nice run. Garvin showing up in run defense today, just beat George Moore to make a stop. George Moore, that poor guy's just getting beat up by everybody. B.J. Baylor just did everything he could, but five de- defenders immediately surrounded him. Defense rallying to the football again. It gets me so excited just picturing that. That's the one thing that I feel like has always been lacking for the Packers is like a swarming defense. And, and we've got the speed to do it. You know what I mean? But just, just to have that thing, because we, we've had it so many times where there's one guy there and you're like, come on, somebody get there, somebody get there, somebody get there. And sometimes he gets them down and somebody shows up, or sometimes he gets away from them. But you know, the the idea of a running back trying to get going and there's five guys just swarming to bring him down, it just it just gets me excited to picture. Back to team, Stokes with great coverage on Watkins on a nine route, ball overthrown anyways, but there was a great rep by 21. Almost a spectacular catch by Aaron Jones between the defenders, but couldn't hold on. Love hits Ture over the middle for a nice pickup. Further context on the Aaron Jones things, it says, Aaron Jones almost made a dazzling one-handed catch running open on a corner out in the red zone. Aaron Rodgers missed the throw high, did not look pleased with himself. And again, I like the context because having read Herman's tweet, I would have said, Aaron Jones has a negative play. He just dropped a pass. And then you read Ryan Wood's tweet and you realize it was a bad throw and, and Jones almost made a circus catch. So it just changes the context completely. Jaron Reed with a pressure on Rodgers, forcing him to roll to his left and throw incomplete for Watkins, who was double-covered. Josh Myers did a great job getting to the second level and sealing the linebacker on a nice halfback draw to Dillon. Teepa shoots through the line for a pressure and may have been held, but Rodgers fires to a leaping Sammy Watkins for a big completion. Another one says, nice comeback route for Sammy Watkins, creating separation against Eric Stokes on the last red zone rep. Aaron Rodgers gives Watkins a fist bump after the catch. Dallin Levitt is a pit bull on teams, definitely plays with some zip. Rico Gafford and Amari Rodgers started punt coverage as the gunners, which is quite interesting. Vernon Scott with a great rep as a gunner. Gafford was trying to jam on the play. Romeo Dobbs with a couple of misplays on punt returns, couldn't field the ball in either instance. Now Amari Rodgers with a muff on punt return. It's a little windy, but returners are having issues. I know, I, I threw up in my mouth when I read that too. It says, Dobbs look a little shaken up after the punt return. I already read that, but it says, Meanwhile, Hyman muffs a punt. So now we've got, I think, four muffed punts on the day. So pretty brutal. It says, Dobbs feels a punt to applause after three or four hit the ground. And then here it says, Amari Rogers isn't the only punt returner struggling today. Romeo, uh, rookie Romeo Dobbs has misplayed two. Ishmael Hyman missed one as well. Rough day for uh, with a stiff wind blowing straight at the returners. Says Nyman and Tom continue to be the Packers tackle tandem uh, of the day with the number one offense, so they kept it that way for the rest of the day. Jones has had a really nice day running the ball, making the most of small creases. Dobbs out there on offense with no noticeable issues, so seems any major issue was avoided. Devondre Campbell has been everywhere, a quick stop on a short pass to Lazard. Vernon Scott is the sixth DB in dime. Says if training camp counted, Rashawn Gary would break Strahan's single-season sack record, and possibly before the first preseason game. Rodgers adjusts pre-snap to a five-wide look, hits Amari Rodgers on a quick slant, perfect anticipation throw, knew right where the window would be on the defense. Really nice run by Goodson, CVL, and Minette opening up the left side. Love is having a nice day, hits Daphne in stride over the middle. Jordan Love is having a nice day. Yesterday was rough. Today he's had some good zip on a few throws over the middle. Just hit Daphne on a crosser over the middle. Earlier hit Toure on a similar play in the red zone. Gaines with a nice blitz off the edge. Love throws deep to Dobbs on a nice throw, but Dobbs can't hold on once again. Gets up gingerly. So there's that second injury that I mentioned. Kobe Jones, first time I heard his name, beats uh, Moore off the edge. Nice job flattening to the quarterback. Jones to the quarterback again. Meanwhile, Baylor with a great blitz pick pick up. Ishmael Hyman just ground Innes Gaines into the ground, blocking for a wide receiver screen. Going to be fun in the film room. Love hits Mack in stride on the outside. Nice bounce back day for 10 today. Runyon snaps for Burkick field goal, which is super random, but okay. How good is Rashawn Gary? He just split a double team of Nijman and RJR for a pressure. Unreal power from him. Next play, pressure by Lowry inside. The defense is relentless. In red zone, Gary blows up a third and goal play, Rodgers gets it out, and Dylan nearly makes a circus catch before falling incomplete. Nagler says Rashawn Gary just completely blew up the interior of the line in red zone, grown men hanging on for dear life. Rodgers hits Lazard for a touchdown in red zone after buying a uh, bunch of time. Despite the touchdown, you could tell he wasn't happy with the session as a whole. Defense won for sure. Keandre Thomas with a pass breakup in red zone on a throw from Love. McDuffie comes screaming through on a blitz. Says, you can tell Isaiah McDuffie playing faster this summer on both defense and special teams. Good pressure to force incompletion through the end zone. Teepo with a nice pressure off the edge against Caleb Jones. Love to Dobbs in the corner of the end zone and a gorgeous throw and catch. That was beautiful. Touchdown offense. Dobbs with another stellar catch over Gafford. corner of the end zone from Love. Blizzard and Cobb were hyped, it says. Wes Hodkowitz says, man, what a freaking catch in the back of the end zone by Dobbs. Gafford didn't give him much room to work with. Dobbs brings it in the back of the pylon. Matt Schneidman added that the ref threw a defensive pass interference flag on Rico Gafford on that play as well. Says Jaron Reed has been in Rodgers' face the last couple of days multiple times during that close red zone period. Tom Silverstein says Jordan Love is making more throws that look like they're from a skilled passer. Hit Sammy Watkins in stride on a deep corner and around third and goal drill through a pretty pass back corner to Romeo Dobbs where he could only get it. 87 made a fingertip catch and got feet down. Hyman has had a nice day today. Catches a pass in team with young guys at work. Etling uh, in the throw. Nice run fit by Ennis Gaines. Leaves Baylor nowhere to go. Hyman with another catch from Love along the sideline. BJ Baylor having a nice day. Had a couple really nice blitz pickups and now a big run to the outside. That seems to be BJ Baylor's thing. I haven't really heard his name much, but a lot of notes today were on some really nice blitz pickups. Garvin had a strong, uh, had a strip on Etling, another player who's had a really nice day. Carpenter with a quick tackle on Hyman. And that does it. It says so. That's the end of practice, and that was it. And again, for the most part, getting out of there without injuries. Hopefully, Romeo Dobbs is doing okay. I mean, he caught a touchdown after his two kind of, you know, two injuries that he had. He ended up coming back and doing just fine. But uh, very, very excited about this team. I think today just kind of confused and complicated things about the back of the roster because there was so much going on. Everybody had good and bad plays. So I don't know how much shuffling there's going to be. But man, I'm I'm just. As far as the positives, I really like what I've seen from Sammy Watkins. He's getting opportunities, and immediately you're seeing him catching passes from Rodgers, right? I mean, there's more news about Watkins than there is about Lazar. Romeo Dobbs, I was really getting scared because yesterday when the pad, or Monday when the pads came on, you didn't hear as much from him. Today it was kind of similar. Like the first thing you heard about him was Stokes was right in his face. He was being real physical. Dobbs couldn't do anything, and it's like, oh, shoot, man, here we go. But then here comes Romeo Dobbs, right? Took him a day and a half, and he's right back on top, just carving up the defense. Um, the Zach Tom news. I mean, it just—it it started one day where it's like, all right, they're going to give this a shot as a second-team tackle, and now he's getting first-team reps at, at left and right tackle consistently. I mean, they really, really like him there. Uh, Deguara. You're starting to see the notes on Deguara that are getting exciting. Uh, some positive things about Amari. I know he muffed the punt, but everybody else did, and the coaches particularly are, are pointing him out as as standing out. Uh, D- Tyler Goodson. I think about every day there's at least one or two good notes about Tyler Goodson. Uh, Jaron Reed and Devontae Wyatt. The last couple of days, you know, it's it's been constant with those two guys in particular as far as pressures and being in Rogers' face and everything else. I've heard very little about Clark, a little bit about Lowry, but those two guys are absolutely... Taken it to the offense. Uh, Quay Walker, the amount of positive notes we're getting there, especially now that the pads are on, not just in run defense, but especially in coverage. Devondre Campbell today. Um, if, it, you know, if you were to pick a couple guys that just had great days, I think Devondre would be that guy. I mean, you could say Rashawn every day, which again, love the Rashawn Gary note because it's just nonstop. I mean, it, it legitimately is to the point for me where I'm going to start limiting Rashawn in these practices. He's proven he doesn't need any more. He's good to go. He's, he's tuned up. I'm not saying we don't play him anymore, but he's on a snap. He's on a pitch count and he will not be in the preseason. I don't care. I'm all about, you got to get guys out there. You got to get him some snaps. You got to get him some reps, but this, it's not even fair. He's ready, right? He's ready. Same with Jair, right? They, they pulled him and I, and I, I don't know the the details of it or why they did that necessarily, but we've now had what, six training camps. And I don't think there's been one completed pass against Jair that I've heard. I, I don't, I don't recall Maybe there has been. Let me quick look back and see if I can find one. There was not one today. We got a note for a pass breakup for Jair uh, on Monday. It says, pass breakup for Jair on a pass intended for Sammy Watkins. And then back-to-back plays Jair put on a clinic, first keeping Lazard wrapped up so he couldn't get a pass, then causing Winfrey to bobble a catch as he went out of bounds, ruled incomplete. That's it. Three targets, zero receptions for Jair on Monday. How about Saturday? One note for Jair. What was it? Just another practice with no passes going in Jair's direction. Training camp day three, zero notes about Jair. Training camp day two, one note. It says there are very few uh, Jair highlights because nobody is dumb enough to throw at Jair, just completely shut down. And then day one, here here are the notes that I have. Stokes and Jair are CB1 and 2, and Jair with a great pass breakup on an out route to Alan Lazard. Rogers throw was great. Alexander's defense was better. Four targets, zero receptions is what we have for Jair Alexander throughout all of six days of training camp. Might have even been three targets, depending on how you read this tweet. It might, might have just been that it wasn't even thrown his way, keeping Lazard wrapped up so he couldn't get to a pass. Sounds like the ball was in the air, he's trying to get to it. But So what, four targets, three pass breakups, zero completions? It's entirely possible that some passes were caught against Jair and people just didn't tweet it, but this is the information that I've been given. So <laughs> this is what we're working with. But, I mean, things are trending up, even Enigbar. You know, I mean, we weren't hearing a single thing about him, and then there's, you know, a couple good pass rushes here. And on top of that, it's not just the, the notes that we get or that, that I get. It's, it's the things that we don't see. It's the technique and the understanding that will give the coaches confidence to say, all right, let's give him a shot with the twos. You know, little things like that about him getting his first shot with the twos that make a difference. Um, the special teams notes. Lots of really positive special teams notes. The intensity of it all, and and how many of these guys are are really showing up on special teams that are making it hard to determine who our, you know, safeties and corners and linebackers are going to be because they're all just crushing it on special teams right now. The amount of notes I've seen about Ento and Gaines and Gafford, Levitt, uh, Wilborn, McDuffie. So just stay healthy, keep working, keep grinding. It's a good football team, man. And the offense is seemingly a little unsettling, but. I think it's still positive because we still have an elite quarterback that even even when things are breaking down, you're still seeing the completed passes, right? Aaron Rodgers was angry on that final drive. Why? Because of, you know, a lot of things not going right, but they scored a freaking touchdown. (laughs) You still got Aaron Jones, we still got A.J. Dillon, we still got Aaron Rodgers. And the offensive line is going to figure itself out. At some point it's going to be David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins are sitting there with Josh Myers at center, probably John Runyon, and who knows who the right guard is going to be. probably Royce Newman, but we'll see. But the biggest thing is get them back quickly and keep them together because that's a really good offensive line. And then the only question we have left, because it's not defensive line and it's not edge rusher and certainly not linebacker or corner or safety, the only real question left is wide receiver. And it's not even who, it's how good can they be? We know Lazard's got it locked up. We know Randall's got it locked up. Pretty good idea. Sammy's still going to be there, but who knows? Either way, we got Romeo Dobbs, Amari, Christian Watson. They'll make it work. So another day of, of, uh, I'm not even going to say the I word anymore, but we'll we'll leave it at that. I don't want to say any more words because I don't want to jinx anything. You guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.